Now, in my opinion, the scariest stories are the ones that don't have any room for jokes or laughter. Live from Liverpool, the dark paranormal of Kevin Eustace. Welcome to the dark paranormal. I'm your host, Kevin Eustace. And firstly, I want to say thank you for the feedback on episode one. It's good to see that there's an audience for what we're trying to do here. And make no mistake, what we are trying to do is convince you that, at times, you should be scared of the unknown. That you're not just being paranoid when you feel something behind you on the stairs, so you run up them after you've turned everything off downstairs. And that there's a chance that the creak you hear isn't just the house settling down. And that outline of a figure in the dark of your bedroom isn't just a pile of clothes in the corner of the room. This is the mindset that you have to put yourself in to get the most out of these episodes. Tell yourself you're past dipping your toe in the paranormal. These things exist Pay attention to the little part of you that knows that. You hear that little alarm for a reason. Now, you may well ask, who am I to differentiate within a story what crosses that boundary enough that I choose to put it on this podcast instead of the light-hearted we-need-to-talk-about-ghost show? What makes me choose to class it as a suitable story for the dark paranormal? Well, the simple answer is this. When I read it, I come away with two things. One, I'm more convinced that these things exist than I was before reading it. And number two, I'm genuinely terrified. Every story you hear on the dark paranormal is a true account. And it was sent to the email address for both shows, contact at talkaboutghosts.com and that's where you can send your stories in too. Today's topic is one that, well, by the title of the episode, you may think you already know something about. An exorcism. Now, I'm a Roman Catholic with a strong Irish Roman Catholic background. Now, obviously, being interested in the paranormal, I used to ask my late grandmother about, you know, if she'd ever heard of an exorcism within our parish. And she'd shake her head and tell me it's all nonsense. But she was also the lady that any time a family member moved house would insist that the parish priest comes round to bless the house before you moved in. Now, although the rite of exorcism is a Roman Catholic ritual, the concept of ridding an item, a house or indeed a person of a spirit spans all cultures and all belief systems throughout history. Today's story, today's true story, contains these elements. And it's genuinely one of the most unsettling stories I've ever read. And it shows that true darkness can hide in anything or anyone that you hold dear. 
The following story comes in from a listener from a small village in West Yorkshire. However, due to the content, they've asked to remain anonymous. So, we'll call this person Neil. And this is Neil's story. I firstly want to let you know, my life is now fine. This is all behind us, and we moved on both emotionally and physically to a new location. Although I don't think the home itself played a part in what we experienced, though I can't be certain. Now before this experience, I was a complete sceptic. I didn't believe in anything paranormal. I quite honestly didn't have the time for it at all. I'd often see those ghost hunting shows and wonder just who watched that sort of thing. But following what happened to my family, I now spend a lot of my free time absorbing anything I can on the topic of the paranormal, which is what led me to your show. Bear in mind that if I would have heard this story I'm about to tell you before my experience, I definitely would have shook my head and said it was impossible, and the person was clearly mistaken. My wife, Lisa, and I got married in our early 20s. I'm in my early 40s now. We had our only child quite late, compared to most people, in our mid-30s. Annie was named after my mother, who died just two years after we got married. This experience happened a couple of years ago, when I was around 41. I've never been a believer or seen or experienced anything paranormal before. But what I saw and experienced, I experienced without any doubt. And now I'm much less sceptical when somebody tells me a paranormal tale. Just after Lisa turned 40, she started experiencing hot flushes, mood swings, general discomfort. So she went to the doctor's and he confirmed she was going through early menopause. She took this quite badly. She was too young to go through the menopause, and she declined any medication, saying she was worried about the potential side effects. To be honest, I think it was more an element of denial. But it was her choice, and I didn't want to rock the boat further by mentioning it. I'd just got a new promotion, and it involved moving to a new area, a place called Osset in West Yorkshire. And in truth, we were all struggling with the change. Annie was having difficulty adjusting to her new school, and she was only six at the time, so hadn't been in her old school that long, and so struggled with things that they did differently there. Now, Lisa is an experienced telesales rep, and even though she'd been really highly regarded in her last job, she was struggling to find another role and didn't want to have to settle for an entry-level minimum wage job. That was all she could seem to find. So they were both a bit tense. And although I liked my new job, we were all a bit anxious. One of Lisa's friends from our old town came to visit and see the new house, which I thought would perk Lisa up a bit. 
She was a bit witchy, a bit Mother Earth, but a nice person, and she brought both us and Annie a housewarming present each. I put Annie to bed, and we had dinner together. I tried to give them some space, so cleaned up, made myself look busy. They were drinking wine late into the night, and I was glad Lisa had some time to unwind. Eventually, as usually happens when this particular friend comes round, her tarot cards came out. I saw this as harmless fun. I know Lisa's done them before, and I was just kind of leaving them to it. I could hear in general it seemed to be a very good reading, but I did hear her tell Lisa, be careful what comes out of you, which I thought was a weird thing to say. Not long after, we got into a stupid argument at dinner time. I can't even remember what it was about now. Something so daft. Annie was at the table too, so I was trying to keep it down a bit. But Lisa was getting more and more angry. I tried to calm it down, but it seemed to make her worse. Then I got angry with her for overreacting, but still tried to keep my voice low. She, however, was getting more and more wound up. Her face went red and she just screamed with frustration. Then the shelf behind her fell down, smashing the plates that were on it all over the floor. Annie burst into tears and ran to her room. And I was stunned into a shocked silence. The shelf smashing seemed to break her out of her frustration and we both mutely concentrated on cleaning up the shards. We didn't speak much that night. I went to calm Annie and put her to bed and I went to bed myself. The next day, Lisa apologised and she didn't know what had gotten into her. But she had an interview and was feeling much more positive. So I brushed the incident off and fixed the shelf. Glad she was happy, or feeling happy, again. The interview was a couple of days later, and she came home saying how well it had all gone. She was so pleased and full of hope. The next week, I had an early finish in work. I'd picked Annie up from school and took her home whilst Lisa went to get stuff for dinner. I was watching TV with Annie in the living room when Lisa walked in with the letter a letter with the company's logo on. She excitedly opened it, and I watched her face drop as she read it. She covered her face with her hands, hung her head down, and I thought she was trying to fight back tears. But then, she lifted her head up and let out this bawl. She was sobbing, crying. The sort of cry that even as a witness it puts a hollow feeling in your chest. She screwed up the letter into a ball and threw it across the room, shoulders shaking as she cried. Then, the TV started flicking through the channels, and the volume went up to max. I thought the remote must be trapped in the couch cushions, or someone had sat on it or something. So through the pandemonium of Lisa Bowling and the TV at max volume, I tried to find it in vain. And then I saw it, on the windowsill, 
untouched. I turned the TV off and Lisa went upstairs. I decided to try and let her cool off and turned to make sure Annie was okay. But she was quietly making her way up to her room. Over the next few days, Lisa got increasingly snappy at both of us and everything else. One evening, she got so upset and told me she'd started seeing things that weren't there. I asked her, like what? And after some gentle pushing, she eventually told me that when I'd been at work, Annie was playing in the garden. The washing was on the rotary line drying. And Annie was spinning the washing rotary line, dodging in and out of the towels. When, through a break in the washing, she saw a woman in a black gown, pale face, dark hair tied back in a tight bun, frowning at her, looking straight at her. She ran outside, but the woman wasn't there. She asked Annie if anyone had been with her, but Annie just shook her head. She was covering every inch of the garden when she heard three taps from an upstairs window. She spun around and looked up and is convinced she saw the woman in Annie's window who glanced at her and then walked away back into the room. She ran in like a woman possessed, straight up the stairs into Annie's room. Nothing. She checked the whole house. Nothing. I was a bit lost when she said all this, and I didn't really know what to do. But I knew she needed help. I held her hand and gently suggested maybe it was time she went back to the doctors. Her head snapped up. Pure rage came across her face. She started to go red and made this growling sound with each breath. She jammed her nails into my hand and I tried to calm her down, saying none of this was her fault. But we turned down the medication so maybe it would help. But it was like she couldn't hear me. Her face contorted with rage. I was shocked. It was such an instantaneous, visceral reaction. I didn't recognise her at all. This wasn't the woman I'd married. I told her we could talk about it when she was ready to talk calmly. And she gave me a glare I'd never seen before. I left the room and we didn't speak for the rest of the night. The next night I was putting Annie to bed. And she said, Mummy's been acting weird. I asked how. And she said... She was talking to herself in strange voices. I comforted Annie, saying she was probably just singing a song or something. But inside, I was both scared and angry. Angry at Lisa for letting this anger, or whatever it was, get to her whilst she was looking after Annie. I didn't speak to Lisa that night, but the next morning, Lisa was getting Annie ready for school whilst I was getting ready for work. Annie couldn't find her exercise book with her homework in that she'd done the night before. And Lisa got really riled up. She went from one to a hundred straight away. 
and was throwing things out of the way trying to look for the book. I wasn't happy with how angry she was getting in front of Annie again and went to try and calm her down. But again, she was on an upward spiral and just got more and more angry. Then, the dining room chair moved by itself, dragged from the table, shot across the laminate floor and hit the wall on the other side of the room. Annie screamed and clung to me, and this seemed to snap Lisa out of her rage. She was just normal Lisa again. We made wide-eyed eye contact and were stunned by what had just happened. We were both running so late, I, I tried to even laugh it off, especially with Annie, and we went to work. That night, after Annie went to bed, I brought it up. Lisa was still stunned and scared by it and didn't know what it was. But she said she felt like she was the focus of something. Like there's something around her, night and day, taking over her life. Now I had to admit, I'd felt a palpable heaviness in the house, especially over the last few weeks. I felt it when I walked through the door, like a down, heavy feeling. A thick atmosphere. You could, proverbially, cut it with a knife. I thought it was just the tension between us. But now, I wasn't sure. Lisa suggested talking to her friend about it, the witchy one I'd mentioned before. But she was on holiday. Lisa rang her anyway. The woman recommended a friend of hers, a guy who could do a clearing for Lisa and the house. Lisa was rarely keen to try, but I was a bit sceptical, but thought even if it only works psychosomatically for Lisa, it might help stop the negativity. So, we made an appointment with this guy. We put Annie to bed earlier the night he was coming. He arrived, and as I expected, was a bit weird. His eyes were darting round the place, and I felt uneasy around him. But we told him everything that had gone on. He was incredulous when Lisa mentioned the tarot cards. Said it should never have been done if she was feeling unwell emotionally or physically. Said it's a powerful thing that should only be done when everyone is sound and stable and that we basically opened a door we didn't understand and it needed to be shut. Lisa seemed to be rarely taking all of this in. Inwardly, I was rolling my eyes, but outwardly, I was doing my best, polite, I believe you, face. Then he began. He started by burning sage mumbling to himself and walking round the house into the corners of every room. The house started creaking. Then we jumped as we heard bangs from the walls and the ceilings. Lisa closed her eyes and started breathing really heavily, similar to like she did when I held her hand. I didn't know what to do, but it was bizarre. It definitely seemed like there was a force that we couldn't see charging around the house. The guy then got us all back in the dining room and got the three of us holding hands. Lisa continued to keep her eyes closed and the guy was chanting something in a language I didn't recognise. 
I could feel like an electricity in the room, swirling all around us. And though I couldn't physically see anything, I could sense exactly where it was. The lights flickered. All the phones started ringing. Mine and Lisa's mobile, the landline, all at once. Then there was a bizarre, deep, really deep growl that seemed to come from the house itself. It must have only lasted about a second. Then, like a switch, everything flicked back to normality. The lights were fine, and I couldn't sense anything at all. All was calm. The guy looked up. He smiled, and he said, It's gone. And he made his own way out. We were both too stunned to do much more than thank him. We turned to each other when he left, and Lisa asked me what I thought. Personally, I could sense a real shift, like something's been lifted. It felt like a new house. The energy was back. There was no cloud pushing me down. I could genuinely feel that something had gone. Lisa said, to be honest, she didn't really feel any different. But that if I could sense a difference, clearly something's happened. Over the next few days, normality resumed. Annie seemed happier in school, and Lisa had agreed to start a course of medication. She seemed so much calmer that there was a plan in place, like her old self again. One night, I was putting Annie to bed, and she asked about the man and woman who came the night she had to go to bed early. I said it was just a man who came round, and he came round to make Mum feel better. Annie replied, No, a woman came too. I asked her, What woman? She said, A woman wearing black, with her hair tied back like this, and she pushed her hair back tightly across her head. She said, she told me I might start coughing soon, but not to worry. I was really alarmed at this. And what message was this woman trying to give my daughter? I asked her what happened. Annie said, I did have a few little coughs, but then one really big one. It looked like smoke. It got all smoky coming out of my mouth. She said the woman took the smoke with her and walked away. I suddenly realised that for each and every unusual event we'd seen, Annie had been there too. I didn't tell Lisa. I can't quite explain why. And Annie has never mentioned it since. Some of you may have picked up on the town that Neil moved to, Osset in West Yorkshire. It hit the headlines in 1974 due to an exorcism. One of his residents, Michael Taylor, received an alleged exorcism by the hands of a religious group. Two days later, he was found by police, naked, covered in blood 
when asked by the police what he was doing, he replied, It is the blood of Satan. It turns out the exorcism was not successful. And he just murdered his wife in cold blood. The key thing I want to take from Neil's story that I want you to take from Neil's story is that sometimes the darkness isn't coming from the place you'd expect. Stay safe and I'll speak to you next time on The Dark Paranormal.